Hello, hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Cheers to you all for making it halfway through the week. Um, I am obviously here today in the shop for a little bit of a change. Normally, I'm uh, doing this from the comfort of my home, but today's a little bit different, and today's happy hour is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I was joined today by a woman who was really involved with the High Yellow Build and is now involved with the Volvo Build as well, and she and I have been working our little butts off all day, uh, working on Fender stuff, all sorts of fun things. And so I decided that we would do our happy hour from here and in person. So, da, da, da. We have Adrian joining us. Yay! <laughs> so really quick, we're gonna address the whole, like, we're not wearing masks thing. Um, we normally do require all of the ladies who are involved in the build to require masks, uh, to wear masks while they are here. Uh, however, um, Adrian was tested before she got here. She is clean, so we know we're good, and we've been working all day together, just her and I, and so we decided for your viewing pleasure, I didn't want you guys to miss out on seeing her beautiful face <laughs> and all of her wonderful expressions, so we are doing this sans mask, but we have been as safe as we possibly can and will continue to be so, so just wanted to address that really quickly. But anyway, I hope you guys are all having a fantastic, fantastic week thus far. I'm really excited to have Adrian join us. Um, we've been having a ton of fun this week. Um, this week? These last yes. few days? Yeah, it has been this week. She's been here all week. Um, so, Adrian, I, you live an amazing life. <laughs> so Adrian does not live in Arizona, but she comes back often because of the build and other fun reasons. We're trying to get her to settle down here in Arizona because yeah, we're everybody keep your fingers crossed that Adrian moves to Arizona permanently because we would like to keep her here. Um, but tell everybody a little bit about your adventure and how you came to like do what you're doing. All right. Well, I am a full-time RVer, which means that I live full-time in my RV. I don't have a home base anymore. Got rid of my sticks and bricks home is what we call them in the <laughs> RV world. And all the adventures uh, full-timing in my RV around the USA led me to understand that there is a significant lack of RV technicians in the industry. And so there are way many more RVs than there are technicians. So I decided to change careers, go back to school, and become a technician myself. So now I'm traveling around as a full-time RVer and also repairing and working and inspecting RVs as I go along. Now, did you have a technical background or past? Like, was it purely just you saw a need and wanted to fill it? A little of both. Okay. A little of both. So in college, I went to university for fashion design. And then I put myself through school working in construction. So I worked in both residential and commercial construction back in Richmond, Virginia. And so that gave me a good foundation for all the technical aspects of working on RVs and a better understanding. And a little preparation for working in an entirely male-dominated field. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so I had that basic um, understanding, but then I hadn't worked in the trades in years. So I came from this from working in medical administration. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So you've been kind of all over the place. Definitely. So I, 
in talking to Adrian, like I knew that there was a massive technician shortage globally, right? We have a huge technician shortage in the United States. We have a huge technician shortage all over the world. Um, and it's projected to be like, I don't know, 600,000 some odd technician job shortage, mm -hmm. right? That we, that we need positions filled or we need people for um, in like 10 years. So like the projections are awful. So I knew that this was going on, but it, you know, I don't think about RVs and there's, you know, you only see what's in front of you. And I hadn't really thought about it and talking to you, like really realizing how much worse that is on the RV side. Mm -hmm. And there's, because you have to be, a, you have to know everything. Well, that's the to thing. be an RV technician. Right. <laughs> so you're working on mechanical engines and transmissions, but then, and now that's not something I'm doing because I don't have the skill set yet. Okay. But that's what a lot of technicians do. But then you have household appliances, and they're different from residential appliances, they're specific to RVs. So there's definitely, then you have your structure. You have the building structure, fiberglass, metals, and that kind of thing. So I'm never bored, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's just more to learn than I could ever learn in one lifetime. Yeah, understandable. Mm -hmm. And that's probably why there's a shortage of Exactly, exactly. So what, what did you have to do to become an RV tech? Like, what's this process been like from the day that you were like, I'm going to do this right. to <laughs> where you're at now? What did that look like? Well, it's been wild um, because that's one of the things that I learned that I didn't know is that in the United States, there is no standardized format to become a technician. There's no standardization. Yeah. So For yeah. any trades, for any technicians, right? For mechanical, right. for... Auto repair for body work. Like exactly. There isn't any national anything. Right. Not in the United States. Now, in Australia and the UK, they have standardized uh, processes for you to become certified and licensed by the country. Okay. Um, and so that's, you know, their federal rules. But we don't have any of that here yet. I expect within the next maybe 10 to 20 years we will. But right now, there are three to four different schools in the United States to become an RV technician. Okay. And so I examined those and studied a bunch because it's the type of thing where you have to go and live there for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what I did was I went to the NRVIA in Texas, okay. in Athens, Texas. And that's where I became certified as an inspector, as okay. an RV inspector. And what does that entail? So the school or um, the, just what being is being an inspector? inspector yeah. what is okay. That? So as an RV inspector, mostly I do pre-inspection purchases. Okay. So it's a pre-inspection for clients who are looking to buy an RV. Okay. Or sometimes a seller or a dealership will hire me to perform an inspection. Okay. And so it's just bumper to bumper, roof to chassis, full inspection of the entire RV. And as an inspector, I observe, document, send in my report. Okay. So when I see something that needs to be repaired, I don't start troubleshooting. I don't touch it. I just document and move on. Okay. Now to go to school um, for to become a technician, when I did it, this was two years ago in 2018. Okay. And so it took two weeks to become certified as an inspector Interesting. on site at school in Texas. Um, but there was a lot of work to be done before that. I'd say about a month's worth of work online before I actually got to school. Okay. So then after that, um, that sort of laid the foundation for all of my technical knowledge for RVs. So I decided to pursue becoming a technician. 
And so that is, she got the <laughs> I did, I really did. <laughs> and um, so again, the NRBIA at the time that I went to school there, they hadn't had their training academy set up yet. So today you can go to school there to become a technician as well. But at the time when I went in 2018, that wasn't quite an option yet. And so I went to school online with the RVIA, which is the RV Industry Association in the U.S., and uh, performed my exam online as well. Nice. So then I've only gotten my technical experience through a little bit of working at dealerships and working with other technicians and informal apprenticeship kind of situations. Interesting. So there is a national organization though. Cause like we automotive, like mechanical, we have ASC. Right. right? So is there, is that the, is that the corollary? Or? That's correct. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way? Okay. Um, so you have the RV industry association and they are, closely associated with the RV Dealership Association. Okay. And so the mission of both of those organizations is to improve the industry from the dealership's perspective, okay. as well as from um, industry tradespeople's perspective. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So are there, like, are there ongoing certifications? I see somebody's asking if there's continuing education requirements. There are not. <laughs> so that's kind of like the Wild West yeah. in the RV world. Yeah. And I and, thought mechanical was the Wild West. Right. But RV is like... It's, it's wild. Um, and so a lot of the people that I meet, other fellow technicians, a lot of them have not even gone to school. They started as like a lot porter at a dealership and then worked their way up in the service department hmm. and learned from all the technicians who were senior to them. Interesting. And so um, when it comes to continuing education, I'm a big fan of continuing ed. You know me. I'm always trying to learn anything and everything I can. So I I take all kinds of continuing education all the time, but there are no longer any requirements for RV techs. No longer? No longer. So there were? There were. It used to be you had to have um, 5 to 20 additional hours of continuing ed every five years. And there wasn't that any sounds like nothing. Right. And there <laughs> and there wasn't really any where to turn that in for like credit, so to speak. And, and so you're kind of doing it for your own enhancement and enlightenment rather than for your license or credentialing. Which I can like I can totally understand why you wanted to right. pursue this, right? Like as a full time RVer. Being out on the road, obviously things break, you have issues, yes. and encountering a service community that isn't necessarily, like, I always laughed about how it is in the United States, like I know in, in Australia and Canada and the UK, like there's, in so many places, there's national certification for auto mechanics, and here, my mom, who knows nothing about cars and doesn't <laughs> even like pumping her own gas... Like, she can hang a shingle outside her house and call herself a mechanic, and there's, like, nothing regulating that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But at least, like, there's there's some accountability, it seems, because there's at least, like, there's AC and right. there's the industry kind of holding each other accountable to some degree, to some degree. <laughs> um, but in the RV world, it's so fewer and farther between, like, finding a good technician, finding a good shop. That's right. 
That's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> In fact, I had a problem with a slide out on my own RV mm -hmm. uh, while traveling this summer, and it's not a slide out mechanism that I work on myself. Okay. So I was searching for another technician to help me, and from Sacramento to Joshua Tree, I couldn't find anyone who would work on the Schwentek slide out. Interesting. Yes. So I finally found a guy and he came out and he helped me out and we got it fixed. Nice. But um, that's a long way with no one who can work on these things. And they're on yeah. tons of RVs. Yeah. And you think, I mean, RVs to these days, I mean, you can, you can get a, a, a generic, I guess, mm -hmm. RV and then they have like top of the line, like million dollar yes. RVs. Yes. And there's no regulation right. whatsoever. I did. I I didn't tell you about this. I saw some exciting news relatively recently that um, the Senate, I believe, mm -hmm. either the Senate or Congress, and the other one has to, the other one has to pass it still. But apparently, there was a um, piece of legislation that passed um, supporting a national apprenticeship program. Awesome. Which I think is like the first step in moving us towards a little bit more of like streamlined certification, like evaluation of technicians so mm -hmm. i'm really excited about that. that's exciting that's a really cool thing definitely it's time <laughs> definitely but i'm glad that there was an absence of technicians for rvs because otherwise you wouldn't have joined us over here you in got the it technician land <laughs> that's so. right that's exactly right <laughs> this is cool i can actually cheers her in like real time instead yeah. of like toasting in the camera but i'll cheers to you guys too cheers <laughs> all right so i want to i want to talk about women Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you started an organization. I did. For women in the RV technician world. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that and tell me what your experience has been like being a woman in this industry. Okay. Well, <laughs> fortunately, I had a lot of experience working in male-dominated fields, working in construction in college. Um, then I also competed in male-dominated sports throughout my 20s and early 30s. So I was used Wait, to that you, mentality. I forgot. I competed in MMA, uh, amateur, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, kickboxing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a tangent for a second. Here because this woman, oh my gosh, she shows up for the high yellow bill. And she just comes in all like bubbly and happy and sweet and cute. And, like we're having a ton of fun working. And then like it seemed like every other day she would drop like some little tidbit of this past life job that she's had. And I'm like, you've done all of the things. A lot. MMA, come yes. on, girl. Yes. <laughs> and it was fun. I was always into high contact sports, and that was the high contact I was looking for. <laughs> That and roller derby. I was also a roller derby MVP and coach back in Virginia. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So don't mess with her. Yeah. Because she's an MMA fighter. <laughs> Which really comes in handy when trying to manipulate metal. There you go. For real. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I sidetracked you. Go on about women in RV. Well, so I noticed the RV industry is overwhelmingly male. And so I wanted to create a space for women to have an opportunity to learn, much like you've done here at Girl Gang Garage, and to provide a space for women to have camaraderie in the industry. So I founded Rivet, RV Industry Tradeswomen, and it's based on radical education. I believe that education should be free and accessible to anyone who wants to access it. And so my goal is to provide information, whether it's study materials. Um, I also have a lot of information about the different schools across 
the world. Um, we are an international organization because I think that's important. And so I'm working on right now a page to add to the Rivet website that will show what we call RV technicians and RVs all over the world because naturally we don't use the same vocabulary. <laughs> and um, so I'm working on that slowly but surely together a group of women where we can share ideas about how to make the RV industry better for everyone through making it better for RV trades women. Um, so eventually I would like to offer apprenticeships nice. for women and mentorships and that sort of thing to provide a space where women can feel comfortable yeah. learning, failing, making mistakes, figuring it out. Just a lot of like what you do here, Girl yeah. Garage. There's so, there's so much in what you just said. And I think like going, going back to like the first thing where you said that it's making the industry better for everybody by making it better for women. And yes. I think that's a really interesting because, you know, I get questions all the time, like what's the big deal about, you know, focusing on women in the trades? Like, why is it an issue, right? Like it shouldn't be an issue, right? It shouldn't be an right. issue. I shouldn't be a female technician. I should just be a technician. She exactly. should just be a RV technician, not a female RV technician. Right. But the reality is, is that there's so few of us and there's so few opportunities for people to get hands on and, and get into the industry that mm -hmm. creating opportunities for people to explore it, I think is really important. Um, but I think this idea, like, you know, I'm really passionate about improving the automotive industry in general. Mm -hmm. And I think partly why we don't attract more women, because that's the other question I get asked all the time. How do right. we get more women, right? How right. do we get more women into the industry? And, and I think it is like, if we improve the industry overall, if we improve the standards, if we improve the standards of care for employees yes. and the work environment, and it's for men too, it's for men and for women, everybody appreciates that, but we, it helps us attract women because what, you know, what mom or, or dad is going to be like, oh yeah, I want my little girl to go into this field when it has this awful reputation. So if we can fix the reputation. Exactly. Right. And improve it, which it does need, like it needs. Right. It needs some fixing, right? Absolutely. Like there's a lot of amazing people right. in the industry, but we have a bad reputation and there's a lot mm -hmm. that needs to be fixed for sure. For sure. So how has, how has that been, been going this, this adventure of your <laughs> Well, um, it's been very interesting. I've met some ladies online that we can't wait to meet each other in person one day because we still, we've spoken with each other and we know that others exist, but we're like, we won't be really confident until we actually meet in person and see you <laughs> are real life woman being an RV real? technician, yeah, you know? <laughs> um, so right now it's mostly online. Um, and of course I talk to any time I meet a lady who's interested in the trades a little bit, I always have to signal boost, girl gang garage, rivet, right. let them know there are opportunities out there where they don't have to just be thrown straight into the fire. Yeah. And um, so it's going really well. Uh, you know, we're a very young organization. And so I'm just looking forward to having it grow and creating forums for women to talk about tools. You know, what's the best multimeter that you're using today? How are you performing your hot skin test? What tools are you using? Hot skin test? A hot skin test is a very important test we perform on all RVs. <laughs> Nothing what? sexy about it. <laughs> like, what, are we, what are we referring to? 
referring to with a hot skin test? We're talking about loose electricity, basically. So sometimes you will have, it could be as simple as a screw going into your wall and hitting an electrical wire. And that will create loose electricity that can come through the skin of the RV and create a lot of harm. So it's a life safety issue. And so that's one of the first things we test on any RV before we perform any repairs or examination of anything. Interesting. I've mm-hmm. never heard it referred to as a hot skin test, but that makes sense. <laughs> we all learned something new today. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> so if there is anybody out there watching, listening, um, who either is into RVing, who has an RV or knows somebody who's wanting to do this or knows a lady involved in doing this, um, where can they find more information about your organization? How can they connect with you? Well, our website is rivetrvit.life. And then we also have an Instagram page, rbitradeswomen. I will make sure to link to it in the follow-up, the posting. Awesome. Thanks, Ogie. (laughs) Um, And so the website is the best place to reach us. You can have all kinds of forms set up if you'd like to contribute in some way, if you'd like to join. Membership's free, lifetime membership. Um, And you can email me or contact me from there. All the information's up. Nice. Yeah. I dig it. I love that you went from like, I think I might want to do this to being the the spokesperson for women RV technicians. Like talk about diving in. Right. Has that always been your style? Like just dive in, no holds bar? Definitely. And, And especially I have a little bit of a thing if I'm scared of it, then I'll dive even deeper because I have to confront that head on. Interesting. Yes. So I've, I've asked this question often in the in the happy hours because I feel like we have a lot of ladies who kind of have a, a similar similar story. Like mm-hmm. They just dove in head first. What do you think it is about you? Like, what is it in you that gives you the the strength to do that? The, I don't know what the word is right. for you, but to to be able to just dive into something that scares you a little bit that you don't know anything about and say, "I'm just I'm doing this." Well, that's a really good question. I haven't (laughs) thought about that. Um, I've always been known to be, you know, I persevere. I don't quit unless I need to quit. And I'm learning to recognize that too. Um, But I've just always been a real self-initiated kind of person. You know, growing up, my mom never had to tell me to do my homework. I was nerding out with myself, having it done, you know, that kind of thing. So I have this passion for learning. I can never learn enough. And so when I... I'm naturally curious. I think that probably contributes as well. So I'm naturally curious. So when I dive into something and I see all these different ideas, I want to pursue each one of them. And I want to learn more about all of it. Um, And I don't know. I've always been that way. That's awesome. (laughs) And what, and is that the same thing that led you to Girl Gang Garage? It is. That's exactly, (laughs) that's exactly it. Um, I was basically scout. I had completed my schooling to become an inspector. I had begun studying to become a technician and I wanted to know more about the mechanical side because that's not really offered at all in any of the RV literature, the textbooks, any of the courses. So I was scouring the internet looking for both 
women-owned businesses in this industry and educational opportunities. And that's how I found your car care class. And then we threw her into metalwork <laughs> and bodywork, and we haven't touched anything mechanical. That's, but that's okay. I've still learned a lot. And it's a lot of stuff that can apply to yes. the RV industry. And that's one of the beautiful things about it is these worlds overlap a lot, even though they're so different. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. What um what would you say, because we talked a little bit about this, mm -hmm. we've cheated because we've talked a little bit, but um, it's not like we've been silent for the last three days of working right. together. <laughs> but um, uh, in the in the time between like coming out and working on the first film mm -hmm. that you worked with us on down to now working on the mm -hmm. Volvo, what do you think like the biggest takeaway life lesson learning has, has been? Wow. Well... It's been a lot, um, but I think one of the biggest changes for me personally from the build last year into this year is that last year I came in thinking there was a definitive way to do everything right and wrong way and I needed to learn what the right way was. Whereas now, after all of that experience I gained last year, I'm coming in with it of the perspective that it's more of an experiment. It's more like we're in this laboratory kind of figuring things out together and so that's really made it easier for me, just that simple change in perspective, because then it's more fun. Totally. You know, I mean, it's more fun because you're not holding yourself to this non-existent standard of it has to be a certain way right. or it's bad. And I failed. Yeah. And I think metal work and body work particularly are, are areas like that, mm -hmm. right? Where... It is one part science and nine parts art yes. and, and figuring out the approach. And I think so often as like new folks coming into the industry, like even when I first came into the mm -hmm. industry, like I thought the same thing, like with the mechanical side, I thought it, and I thought it in the metal side, I thought it on the body and the paint side, that, that there was one way to learn it, that there was, that was the right mm -hmm. way. And there's 9 million different ways to approach things, especially on the metal side, especially right. on the body side. And I think we all like tend to fall into that getting hung up on like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or why did they do it that way? Mm -hmm. that, right. But figuring out sometimes how we can do what we need to do with the tools that we have. And mm -hmm. it's, it's playing a lot of the time it's playing and figuring out and failing right a lot <laughs> absolutely and like where last year we'd be playing but when it didn't work out I would get upset with myself where this year when we're playing I'm like well we're gonna have to try that again yeah. <laughs> I think we need to call this girl gang garage permission to fail there you go I love like... it I love it yes because that's so much of what this is like right. it's permission to fail in a safe place where you can learn and know that that is how you exactly learn right exactly and and you providing that safe space for us physically because some of the stuff that we do is dangerous yeah. and I don't want to just go out practicing that by myself without the knowledge right. and having your guidance and having a safe space like this is really important it's, I know I won't be losing any fingers or anything like that. I can't make any promises. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make any promises. Um, well, and it's, it's interesting for me because I'm, I'm not an expert on metal. I'm, I'm an expert mechanic. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on metal. I'm not an expert on body work. And yet I'm 
guiding and teaching and really the bulk of what I feel like I do is holding the space to explore and experiment mm -hmm. much like I am doing through this process and it's funny because we were talking about this earlier like I tell everybody else it's safe to fail and everybody else that it's okay to fail and it's okay to mess up and it's all right <laughs> but then I apply the same pressure to myself of like I'm not allowed to fail I'm not allowed to mess up and so it's interesting like remembering to, to put myself in check on that too, mm -hmm. that it is okay. And I, and I, I think it's a disclaimer that I give everybody now when they come yeah. in, like, I'm gonna let you know, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing either. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot, but right. <laughs> I know a ton, but I, I'm still figuring it out along mm -hmm. with everybody else. So I think that's a really big, a big piece of this. Definitely. Yeah. And it's way more fun if you give yourself a break while you're figuring it out than if you're not giving yourself a break. It takes sucks the fun out of it. Yeah. No. And we do have a ton of fun here. Too much fun. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have any fun here. It's all very, very serious business. Super serious. Um, Kat says, it's not a fail. It's a learning experience. That's right. Absolutely. But it's sometimes, you know, I think it's, I'd be lying if I said that we, I don't forget that sometimes, mm -hmm. right? We all know that intellectually, and it's really easy to give that advice to other people and say, it's okay, failure's part of the process, that's how you learn. And yet, I think it's also really easy to pull out the hammer on ourselves mm -hmm. and be like, oh, but I but I messed up, I failed. Right. It's like, it's okay for everybody else, but it's not okay <laughs> for me, right? Exactly. So, right? I think it's a real challenge sometimes to remember that in the moment mm -hmm. and go, okay, I failed. I tried something, it didn't work, it's not the end of the world, I can I can just try something else. Right. Um, Jill says, sounds like you were trying to install the fuel pump on high yellow. <laughs> Let's not talk about that, Jill. <laughs> oh, memories. Yeah. But also, I wanted to mention, while we're talking about that, another thing I think that's harder for women in male-dominated trades is we feel like we're almost set to a higher standard too, right? I experienced that in MMA a lot. It seemed like the bar was always moving for me while the men's bar stayed in the same place. So I had to do more. I had to train harder. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing. We're applying that pressure to ourselves in these industries because it's like a proving yourself type of thing because you want to prove that you do belong here and you do know enough about what you're doing yeah. to call yourself a technician, yeah. you know? And so I think that's another thing that we deal with as well and put pressure on ourselves too. Oh, 100%. And sometimes I wonder how much of it is in my head versus mm -hmm. actually happening, that pressure to feel like I have to be 10 times as good right. to, to get half of the respect. Um, how how has that been for you in, in the RV side? How have the men that you've encountered and the people in the industry accepted you? It's quite variable. Um, so overall, um, well, for instance, if you go to apply to the service department of a dealership mm -hmm. as a woman, they're going to move you over to the service side first. Um, excuse me, to the sales side the sales first. Side, yeah. Um, so there is a lot of resistance. Mm -hmm. So there's that, but then you come across people who are super open-minded and who love that you're working in the industry and who want to teach you everything that they can yeah. and share their wisdom with you. 
So unfortunately, they aren't as common as the more closed-minded folks, um, but they do exist and they're out there and it's always a pleasure to meet them. Um, but overall, it's always, people are always surprised when I tell them I'm an RV technician. Um, and it's almost like they don't even quite believe me. Right. Um, <laughs> and I have had uh, customers turn me away because I'm a woman and they didn't want a woman working on their RV. And they've said that point blank. Point blank. Um, and you know, that's okay for me. Then I have time to go serve someone else who appreciates me. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good mindset <laughs> you know? to be um, so it's just one of those things. And I feel like, um, having worked on construction crews is the only female, you know, they always give you the worst job to perform that the busy body stuff they don't want to do detailed kind of work. So I'm used to that and, um, used to becoming kind of the top crewman anyway, because of the quality of my work. And so it's one of those things that I'm pretty good at brushing it off and kind of keeping it pushing these days. Um, but sometimes it's just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes it's, I, I, for me at least, I don't, I don't know about for you, like obviously I've been dealing with it for a long time and mm -hmm. sometimes it doesn't bother me at all, right? right? Sometimes it's just, okay, whatever, that just makes me want to be better, that makes me want to work mm -hmm. harder, that makes me want to push, you know, further. And then there's times where it really bothers me and I think it's more that it just saddens me. Right. Right. It saddens me that this is the world that we still live in, that somebody's going to turn away a qualified mm -hmm. professional because you're female. Right. Right. And and not be afraid to say that, to, to where, you know, to just straight up say, yeah, no, I right. don't want a woman doing this work. And like, that just makes me sad for them and sad for the world that that's still a thing. Definitely. Right. And, Cat Pag just said, I just expect it, right? And right. Absolutely. I, mm -hmm. I, I totally expect it. And that's sad. It is. And to the point where when you meet someone who's not that way, it's really exciting. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, and that's the thing is you kind of come to expect it. So when you're not confronted with that, it's thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorites are the, the ones who are totally neutral about it. Oh, yes. Because right? I feel that. like yep. there, there's the two extremes. The one side is you're a woman, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. Then the other extreme is, oh, you must be really good at this because you're a woman. Right. Women should do this more. There should be more women in the industry. And they're like kind of almost over the top about right. it. It's like, I just want to do my job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just... Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. So yeah. you've had some adventures on your on your road trip these last yes. several several months that is the truth <laughs> <laughs> any any particularly fun exciting ones or or challenging ones that you well, want to share um one story i'd like to share where ingenuity was better than brawn or whatever brains okay. over brawn type of thing uh so i'd mentioned earlier i had a problem with the slide out yep. system on my rv so the slide out was stuck in the extended position which meant that i couldn't drive it down the road so this was a particular slide out. I had some information about it. So I knew how to disconnect the motors and I knew how to access the controller and that sort of thing, but I didn't know how to fix it. 
And so I couldn't get the slide out in and we were due to leave. We had already extended our stay. Shout out to Folsom State Recreation Area. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> I'd love to go back in better times. Um, and so the beautiful thing about the RVing community is for the most part, everyone is so helpful and kind and they help each other out. They look out for one another. And that's one of the things I love about our community. And so we walked around the campground and, you know, recruited a few folks <laughs> to come help push the slide out in. So we pushed the slide out about a foot and a half and we still had about six inches to go. And we just, it wasn't moving. I mean, the guys were pushing and it was like the RV was going to topple over before the slide out would actually go in. So one of our neighbors, Eduardo, was super kind and he and his son helped us and he had the idea to get a scissor jack that you would use to change the tire on your car okay. and put it between a post that was at the campground and the slide out on my horse. And we did that. And so I moved, I hitched up the truck to the RV and I moved back and forth because, you know, we, so the slide out, you've got two sides of the wall, right? right? So you, you can't just push from one end. You want it to push in flush and even. So I jimmied the RV back and forth between the posts, and then we put the scissor jack in between, and we forced it closed, and I was able to go down the road. That's amazing. And it was awesome. And so I was never coming out again. <laughs> <but>. Right. <laughs> um, but it was awesome using a different idea to deal with a problem and get the job done yeah. without using more force wasn't the answer at that point. Right. And so that was a really cool experience and meeting um, that man and his son and having them help us out. And it's one of those, you know, renews your faith in humanity type of things. And, you know, where all the technicians in the area couldn't help me out, here are these strangers that became my buddies could. Yeah. And it was a really cool experience. I love it. And the affirmation of the there's more than one way to yes. the skin a cat. Exactly. Farmer, as that expression is, right? Like right. There's 14 different ways to do everything. It's yes. like stepping back and looking at it from fresh perspective and figuring out, okay, how can I approach this differently? Right. And I feel like, if anything, that's the, the one advantage that I would say women in these kinds of trades tends to have or tend to have is that, you know, I can't always do things with my arm strength mm -hmm. the way some men can do. And not all men are super strong either, right? right? But I don't I don't have the arm strength, I have leg strength. Mm -hmm. So how can I do this differently? Right. How can I use tools differently? What can I do to, to change my perspective so that I can accomplish this without it being a problem? Right. And then how can I deal with people making fun of me for doing <laughs> Well, exactly, because it was definitely a crazy thing to watch what we were doing, right. you know, yeah. but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So what's in the future for you? Well, right now we are in the Coachella Valley. So as an RV technician and inspector, I'm currently serving the Coachella Valley and we've been on the road for five years. So my mom lives in the RV with me. Bless your heart. And we have two large breed <laughs> dogs. And so we've been on the road, but we're kind of missing having a home base. And I never said that I, I said I would never own property again. I didn't want to deal with the hassle of it. I gave away my lawnmower, my snow shovel, didn't want to do any of that ever again. But now I'm kind of missing having a home base. And so I think I'm starting to look for some land 
where I could park in Phoenix. In Phoenix. <laughs> Where I could park my RV um, and work on it without the confines of a campground and that sort of thing. So I can take the underbelly off and get all under there and don't have to worry about buttoning it up at the end of the day. Um, and that way I could have a little home base, still go travel around, um, you know, because I do like traveling with the seasons. That's been really fun. And I love living like a local in all kinds of different places in our country. It's been super enlightening and super fun. I've just learned more from that than living in Virginia my whole life. And so I'd like to continue to do that, but maybe have more of a home base where I can have my own laboratory and experiment and grow my skills as an RV technician and hopefully start learning how to do RV restorations and get into that side of things because I am a creative and I, I like to play around with things and see what can work and what doesn't. But when you're living in it, it's a little more challenging. Definitely. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to be doing an all-female RV build anytime soon. Just, I'm working on I it. I hate to disappoint you. But, um, Faye wants to know what kind of RV you have, and can you talk about um, which which one she chose as an RV technician. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, first of all, this RV that I have today, I bought before I became a technician and both the buying process as well as sort of all the problems I've had with this RV since then are what made me want to become an RV technician. So really going into making this purchase, I knew nothing. Um, I had owned a truck camper before, but I went and bought a 35-foot Grand Design Reflection Travel Trailer. It's a 2016 model. It's a bunkhouse model, so it has the two different bedrooms so that my mom can have her own room, I can have my own room, and then we have our common living area. Awesome. So it's a towable. It's a travel trailer. And... Uh, there's a big debate, you know, fifth wheel or travel trailer, and people are really serious about what they like. But I'm kind of a more eclectic person. I like a lot of different things. So right now I'm enjoying the travel trailer, um, and I might stick with a towable, but I might start looking at a fifth wheel okay. for towability. It's, you know, a more sturdy tow. Um, the only thing, and this is kind of silly, is I'd have to get rid of my toolbox on my truck, and I love my toolbox, yeah. and where would I put all my tools? You have to get <laughs> Um, so, but I did go to school in Texas in a class C mini Winnie. Okay. That had been driven through a drive through and had leaks on all four corners of the roof. Oh no. <laughs> um, so that was oh, a no. really fun experience driving and traveling in the class C. And it's one of those things, you know, they all have their pros and cons. So in yes. the class C, you can be driving down the road. You don't need to find a rest stop. You can just pull over and have a pit stop if you need to run to the restroom. Yeah. Where in the towable, you have to find the gas station or rest stop because you have to open up all the slide outs to even get to the restroom. Oh. Or the kitchen to have a lunch. So they all have different pros and cons. Now, as a technician, I work on them all. From little tiny class Bs or little tab trailers all the way up to the multi-million dollar big class A motorhomes. A lot of diesel pushers. Okay. Um, but I think that I'll be sticking with the towables um, just because I love my pickup truck and I use it for work. And so that's what makes sense for my family. Um, but... When it comes to brands mm -hmm. 
and that sort of thing. Of course, you have your higher end models, and I've noticed that all of the components on those RVs are easier to access. On the higher end. On the higher end. Okay. So they're way easier to work on because you can actually access the water pump instead of pulling out the underbelly and standing on your head and all that fun stuff. So the higher end ones are also nicer for technicians. That's exactly on. right. Interesting. Yes. Which is not always the case with mechanical right. automotive. Right, exactly. That's what I understand. Not yes. always the case. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. So if you had to do it all over again, and I don't necessarily, if you don't want to mm -hmm. put on the spot for brands yeah. specifically, yeah. if you had to do it all over again in time and money, not time, if mm -hmm. money were no mm -hmm. issue, what would be your, from a technician's oh, dear. standpoint, well, what do you think are the most reliable? Or Oh, well, if money was no issue, I'd buy a Land Rover and drive the whole Pan American Highway. I mean, not a Land Rover, a Earth Roamer. An Earth Roamer. <laughs> An Earth Roamer. So there's some super souped up four-wheel drive, kind of class B-ish, box truck RVs. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but when it comes to, I'm sort of looking at the Keystone Montanas for okay. fifth wheels. And I'm also looking at Grand Design has been sold since I bought my RV. Okay. And so they really do stand behind their products now, where maybe they didn't as much at first before they sold the company. Okay. Um, so I would buy another one. Okay. But the thing about RVs is that they're not completely built until they get to the dealership. So the manufacturer builds the RV, but then aspects like your 12 volt battery system, your propane system, all that stuff is added oh. at the dealerships. Interesting. So there's a lot of potential. That's why our pre-purchase inspections are so important. So even on like a brand new oh, RV, yes. you recommend a yes. inspection? On my brand new RV, I bought it brand new in 2016. The hot and neutral wires were crossed. Oh, wow. And that was from the manufacturer. Wow. And so stuff like that happens all the time. That's so crazy. It is. With such a high price point item that you're yes. living in. Right. And driving in. Yes. Brand new. That's right. Straight out of the gate. Yep. And I actually spoke with someone, a neighbor who had bought a, the exact same model that I had, but the year earlier. Uh-huh. And their entire fiberglass sidewall on the curbside of the RV just ripped down the middle. Wow. Brand new RV. So that's another thing that's a little unique, huh. I feel, about the RV industry is that there's so much, so many different components and so much going on in each RV that there's a lot of room for error, even in the manufacturing process. Yeah. Are, there, are there regulations, like there are safety regulations on the automotive side right how does that so, work on the rv side well, it's interesting for rv manufacturing and repair what we do is we take regulations from all kinds of different industries and kind of mash them together and kind of go by those so you've got the um, highway association i believe that starts with an f but i can't think of it right this moment um, then you've got your lp your liquid propane regulations okay. um, sometimes like in the state of texas that's regulated by the railroad union but here in arizona it's regulated by like the weights and measures division wow so each state is pretty unique in terms of their lp regulations so we follow like the National Highway Safety okay. is part of the regulations. Then we have electrical regulations that are from a regular sticks and bricks home. Interesting. And we mash all of those together 
to create our standards. I feel like knowing, <laughs> knowing all of this and hearing all of this, it makes me never want to own an RV. And I hear that totally. <laughs> like, yes. Do you feel safe? I mean, well, you're, you're pulling yours, so it's not like you're driving it. Is it different oh. for the ones that are that you're driving? Well, I think that for me, I think it's a little more hairy when you're towing. Because when you're in the RV, when you're in the class A, B, or C, um, you can hear everything that's going on in the rig and that sort of thing. Well, when you're towing, the RV is back there. Right. And so you don't really know what's happening until you lose a tire or something like that. So I don't know, know personal experience. experience. <laughs> um, but that's one of the things that I've found very interesting about this industry too, is that the majority of RV technicians are not RV users. And doesn't that sort of tell you everything you need to yeah. know? Yeah. And so that's why I feel like it's I also like a cook that won't eat their own food. You got it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I found that's another thing that puts me in a unique position as an RV technician because I'm also an RV user and I'm a full-time RVer. So I live and breathe in these things 24-7, yeah. which is a completely different perspective than the folks who are just working on them and wouldn't set foot in one to go on a camping trip. Yeah. That's so it's interesting when you talk about the safety, you know, when you open up one of these babies, no matter how many times I see it, it's always a little bit of a shock to see that the walls are just narrow aluminum frame and, you know, the Luan and the fiberglass and it's just really not much there. Um, so I do feel safe. Um, when I'm hauling and when I'm living in my RV, but you know, when you're sitting in a big windstorm, you feel it, you feel like you're on a ship, you know? And so there's definitely some concessions you make, um, in terms of feeling safe and secure. Um, but then you get to travel to all kinds of places I never would have seen before. Right. So it's worth it, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You just don't want to think about it too much. Yeah. No, I don't know that I I don't know that I can do it. I'm not gonna there is part of me that always like my little bohemian spirit, right. like my little nomadic soul wants to like, go buy an old school bus and convert it. But hearing everything and, and all of the like regulations that you need to mm -hmm. know about, like you're saying from state to state it differs. Like right. you have to be an expert on all of these different things and hearing everything you've said about how not really well regulated. Right. It's that terrifies me, terrifies me. And so every, <laughs> every RV that's manufactured in the United States, that's through a manufacturer, that's a member of RVIA, mm -hmm. the industry association, they get what's called an RVIA sticker on okay. them. So it's basically like a seal of approval okay. and you'll usually find it at the door of the RV at the entryway. Um, and so that is to basically certify that it's been manufactured according to regulations. Okay. It's just when you talk about according to the regulations, it's this mismatch, mishmash. Which regulations? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. So it's like a seal of approval, but you're not really sure what is approved. But who's approving? <laughs> <laughs> you're really not doing anything to uh, increase my faith or comfort <laughs> level in buying or living in an RV. <laughs> I, I, I do have to ask you, we don't have a ton of time before Instagram kicks us off because they only let us do an hour. Oh, okay. And when I first told her it was an hour, she was like, oh my God, it goes so fast. It does. It, it like, does. goes so fast. I feel like we could talk for hours mm -hmm. on here. 
Um, I'm curious, in, in all of your traveling, regional differences, mm -hmm. do you find that your acceptance as a woman, as a, as a woman RVer, as mm -hmm. a woman RV technician, um, do you feel like there's a difference regionally in how you're treated or... Definitely, definitely. And what I was kind of surprised by is it's less so regionally and more specific to or smaller regions. So it changes. You can drive a short distance and the attitudes are different in a short amount of way. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So um, there's definitely a difference. There are some places that aren't very welcoming at all. Um, and then there are other places where everybody's really excited to see a woman pull in and hauling her own rig and then park it like a boss. And then they find out you work on them and they're super pumped, you know? Yeah. So it definitely varies. Um, and I think that within the RVing community, um, the full-timers seem pretty open to women working on their RVs because that's part of their lifestyle. And so they're used to traveling to different places and meeting different people and maybe seeing folks they wouldn't expect. Interesting. Where when you've got your more like weekend warriors, they're not as familiar with the ins and outs of our being as a full-timer. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You were telling me some stories about like just even getting your propane filled. Oh, yes. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I was trying to perform a drop-down propane test on my own RV to test my LP regulator. And I had a low tank, so I wanted to fill it up because I didn't want to test it point, past the point of vaporization. So I needed enough propane in there to perform this test. And I went to fill up the tank. And the guy told me, I had more than enough propane in there, honey. You don't need any. And I was kind of taken aback. I wasn't really sure exactly what he was saying. And I said, so you're not going to fill it? <laughs> and he goes, nope. I said, okay. So I went and bought my propane somewhere else. Um, you know, and then I was on an inspection. I had come back to perform a reinspection of the items that I had found that were life safety issues. Okay. And it was an interesting case because it was a realtor was selling the RV because it came with a piece of property. Oh, interesting. Okay. So the realtor was the person there uh, working with me. And so he thought that I just needed to see that the gas stove burners lit up and that that was the propane test. And so when I informed him, actually, I need at least 30 minutes to perform a proper test. I have my, you know, manometer here. It's a tool I right. use to test the propane. And he was like, oh, you know, it just shocked him, yeah. you know. And so and I've explained I was looking for, I wanted to know how much pressure was behind the LP, not just that the burner lit up. Right. And so, yeah. you know, that was interesting to me. And I could be wrong, but it almost was the sense of that I was kind of just playing in the RV rather than truly performing a professional inspection. Interesting. I think that's like the misperception about trades, people in general, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, well, it's just nuts and bolts or it's just whatever. And, and, you know, yes, to a degree it is. And yet, like, there's so much skill behind it. There's so much professionalism behind right. it. There's so much to it. And there's this perception of like, oh, well, that's stuff that anybody can do. Right. Right. That's right. And, and it, to a degree, yes, anybody can do it. 
if they put in the learning. Exactly. <laughs> if they put in the time. Like, there's nothing that anybody can't do. Right. If you put in the time to learn, but there's a ton mm -hmm. that goes into knowing what to test and how to test exactly. it. Exactly. There's so many, so many more systems to even just cars than most people realize. Of course, there's mm -hmm. like a hundred times as many <laughs> in on RVs. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, we've got five minutes right. before they kick us off here. Somebody is asking, um, what is the hardest part of being an RV tech job-wise? That's easy. Okay. Access. Yeah. Accessing the components that you're trying to diagnose or repair is practically impossible on every single RV, no matter what the component is. <laughs> um, and then um, not only figuring out how to access it, but what do you have to take apart? Mm -hmm. How many hours will it take to take this component apart so that you can get to the little $2 component that really needs to be replaced? And so that's by far the most difficult part of my job. That makes sense. It's, it's, a, it's funny to hear, right? Because normally, mm -hmm. from a mechanic's perspective, we think about cars and, like, the tighter the engine compartment right. is packed in there. Like, the smaller the vehicle is, the harder it is to get mm -hmm. at stuff. And so, in, in a sense, you think about, like, it's an RV. It's right. huge. Access <laughs> should be totally easy. That's but right. yet, it's not. Like, exactly. everything is crammed in mm -hmm. and hidden away that's right and yeah. oftentimes there's no that's another thing about these loose regulations is nothing is consistent so it's not like you have a wiring diagram like you would for a commercial building you're flying you're blind. flying blind so they do it differently with every rv it could be the same year the same model the same brand but they're wired all differently that's so or the controllers for the slide outs are in different places you know, <laughs> right? Like I deal with a gazillion different makes and models. I deal with all of the craziness, but there's, but at least every 2011 Honda Civic is going to be the same as every other 2011 Honda Civic, unless somebody's messed with it and done something crazy. You're dealing with stuff straight off the factory floor. Mm -hmm. Different depending on what day of the week it was made. Exactly. Who, who was on the job that day? That's right. So you really need to know your ish. That's right. And and then part of the part of the because um, I was pretty hard on myself at first because part of the challenge is finding those access points or finding the component you need to work on. And so I was hard on myself at first. I was like, I just don't know enough yet. But then the more technicians I talk to, it's just the way it is. And that right there is like the <laughs> lesson of all lessons right there. Like how many times have I heard women in particular, but men as well, beat themselves up for, I don't know enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not experienced enough, I'm not whatever enough, because this thing is challenging and, and difficult. Right. Only to find out that it's challenging and difficult for everybody, yes. <laughs> and just nobody's talking about it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like, yes. Nobody's talking about it. Like, we, you experienced SEMA crunch mm -hmm. right, with high yellow and how yes. insane it was. And the first and second time, let's be honest, that I went through SEMA crunch, I thought it was just me. Mm -hmm. It was because I was a bad leader. It's because I wasn't good enough. It's because I wasn't smart enough. And it's just because nobody else is talking about how awful it is. Mm -hmm. And so when you experience the awful, you're like, 
it must be me. It must right. be something I'm doing exactly. wrong. So it's like so easy to take that hammer out. Mm-hmm. And and I think if anything is like the wrap up and moral of like this happy hour. Yeah. Is the advice that you give to other people, you should take for yourself. Yes. And Definitely. Be, be easy on yourself and know that if you're struggling with it, likely somebody else is too. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And I applaud the hell out of you. For diving in to the unknown, to seeing a need and and wanting to fill it, and then going, not just, I'm just going to be a technician, (laughs) but I'm going to now be a person within this industry that is bringing people together and making change and trying to improve it. So big, big cheers to you. you. And lucky Adrienne doesn't have to wait to get her happy hour gift in the mail because she's here to receive it in person. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So we have one minute left. I appreciate you guys so much for joining in and hanging out with us. We will be back next week or I'll be back next week (laughs) with another guest. We're going to get back to work here on this big piece of metal. (laughs) And I appreciate you guys. Make sure you check her out. Check her business out. Give her some support. Give her some love. I'll make sure the links are in the description. And you guys are all wonderful. Be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. Cheers. Cheers. We'll see you next week.